What the heaven? We've moved on from talking about hell over the last three weeks, and we will spend these last two talking about heaven, the other side, the better side of our Christian hope. Please join us. Hello there, everybody. It's Pastor Tasha Blackburn from First Presbyterian Church here in Fort Smith, and my partner in crime... Jan Stuck. Hey, Jan. Hi. I shouldn't say partner in crime. You're my partner in heaven and hell. <laughs> there it is, right there. You've said it all. <laughs> maybe that is that better or worse than crime? I don't know, uh, Jan. Maybe better. <laughs> we'll see. Well, Jan has been um, wonderful about uh, partnering with myself and with Phil on this heaven and hell series. And today is the last of the heaven and hell series. As was noted in the physical class on Sunday by one of the participants, wait, we did three on hell and we're only doing two on heaven. This does not seem right. And he was correct. It's not right. But next week, this next week for the church, the life of the church, it's Pentecost. So it's a big party for us uh, celebrating the birth of the church. So we could have been talking about heaven again, but we're going to party. Sounds like a good plan. <laughs> Which we get a lot of images actually in the Bible uh, that heaven is is like a party. Uh, so we're going to talk about three images we get from the Bible um, about heaven. Three like very broad umbrellas we get for what is heaven like. And this will conclude our whole series on heaven and hell. I thank you so much, Jan, for being a part of it. Oh, I enjoyed it. Oh, well, I have enjoyed it being with you as well. So we're going to jump right in. Um, the three images are kingdom of God, also called the kingdom of heaven sometimes in scripture. It's, it seems to be interchangeable. Kingdom of God, resurrection of the body, and the new creation. Those are the three we're going to talk about today. And there are other images we are given of heaven in scripture, but these are three pretty big uh, swaths of what Jesus tells us heaven is going to be like uh, and what it involves. So we're going to take them one by one uh, and start with the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And as a reminder, the very first sermon Jesus ever gave, he's walking around Galilee and he says this, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent, turn around because God's kingdom is right next to you, basically, is his very first sermon. And so there seems to be this idea in the kingdom of heaven that um, God's kingdom is not this kingdom. We need to turn away from the present order of things we see, and we need to hope uh, for God's order. Somehow, you know, there's two kingdoms here, and we need to turn from the one and turn toward the other. Is kind of one of the first things we hear about this kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. And then I want to tell you um, a couple of the parables, because there's about a gazillion parables in the New Testament, in the Gospels, um, about the kingdom of God. And then I want to ask you uh, some of your take on some of these parables, Jan. So the kingdom of God in parables seems to point to, um, there's at least three things it points to about what heaven is like. And the first is that heaven seems to be this place of reckless and bountiful growth. Like you cannot stop it, even if you would want to. And some of those are some people's favorite parables, like the parable of the mustard seed, you know, that's mm -hmm. so tiny, but makes this big bush big enough for birds to make their home in, is what Jesus says. That's what heaven's like, Jesus says. That's what the kingdom of God is like. Or it's like this 
lady who has like 600 cups of flour, some huge number, and she mixes a little bit of yeast in that flour, and all of a sudden it changes everything. It grows and grows, and you can't stop it. Um, this whole idea of like growth that you can't stop, and that's kind of reckless. It's going to go beyond your bowl, you know, of heaven. So what do you think about, uh, what's kind of your first reaction to this idea that heaven is about this sort of bountiful growth that might be a little reckless too? Well, it gives you hope that it's going to be such a wonderful place mm-hmm. and that his love and his compassion is boundless. It's going to keep on going, whether you think it is or not, and it's going to go beyond your expectations. Yeah. You cannot imagine what is going, how good it's going to be, how much love and compassion and caring is going to be there. Yeah, and that's interesting because I don't know if you've ever seen a mustard seed, but they are really mm-hmm. tiny. They're very tiny. They're, in fact, very tiny. And it would be an interesting thing. Sometimes we think about it from another direction, but you're making me think of the direction of you look at the mustard seed and you think, maybe this is all I can comprehend. Mm-hmm. This is sort of my dimensions of comprehension as compared to what God can do. Yeah, you, in God's we're kingdom, thinking the big bush. We're going to get a little tiny. sprout. <laughs> I know, and I'm thinking so small in in the face of God's reckless abundance, right? And and how amazing is that if it's really like so much bigger than any of us can comprehend. Yeah. That's how I kind of look at it. It's it's more than you can even imagine. You, you, us humans are not able to imagine how great it, a great experience it will be, how great the love will be, how great the cooperation among those there will be. Exactly. Well, and there's also this, in those parables, there's also this sort of sense of hiddenness, like the yeast is sort of hidden in the mm-hmm. flour and yet changes everything. Uh, the seed is so tiny, it's sort of hidden in the soil and yet grows beyond what you can imagine. And so this idea even of like when Jesus says, the kingdom of God has come near. Like what's this hiddenness versus visible? What is God doing even here and now that's heaven-like, that's kingdom of God-like? that's hidden um and yet we trust and hope and believe it's at work you know like yeast hidden in all that flour uh and changes everything it's like the old sourdough starter it's the sourdough (laughs) starter like exactly (laughs) did you do that during the pandemic no okay i I think we're the only two people jan who didn't do sourdough sourdough. (laughs) okay so another whole set of kingdom of god parables points to one of my favorite topics eating uh, it points to meals. We see Jesus at meals all the time, and at many of them he would share a parable. Uh, and what I love about these meals is he especially points to heaven being like a meal that's not very proper. Um, you aren't eating with the right fork. You haven't invited the right people. Um, so it's about this, like, everybody at the table, everybody communing together, everybody getting fed, but it's not very polite. Uh, and some examples of that are the parable of the great banquet he gives, which is, you know, the guy invites all his friends and colleagues and everything to this great wedding banquet, and um, then they all start giving excuses that they can't come. And he says, well, I'm not canceling. I have all these food. We're going to have a party anyway. And he starts inviting strangers. He starts inviting people off the street, and then it's still not full, and he goes out and finds people even further in the shadows, 
you know, because he's going to have this party. He is going to have it uh, no matter what. That's like one example of, and there's several, of heaven is like this meal where you're surprised. Um, and it's not necessarily very proper. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be formal. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to be generous. Oh, that's a really wonderful phrase. It's not formal. It's generous. Yeah. And I, it's, you know, I don't know how your family meals were growing up, but ours, my mother loves to joke that we, my maiden name is Hoffman, we can't, uh, Hoffmans can't get through a meal without talking about something gross, you know, and it hasn't been a Hoffman dinner if we haven't got talked about well, something that's gross. that's because you're kids. <laughs> I know, and it, it, it does seem to appear to be true, so I take a lot of comfort and hope <laughs> in that maybe, like, Maybe in that being authentic with each other, being real with each other, and not necessarily uh, following all proper decorum. Maybe it's a glimpse, you know. Yeah, and to let us know, it's going to be one big family. Yes. All the warts that families have oh, is going to be there, but yet all the good stuff, all the love, and all yes. you know, the fact that you really do care about these people, even if you want to argue with them all the time. Well, and you get back to your generous idea, like that parable of the great banquet, where it's, he's like, no. I'm having the party. Go search again. Go search the streets again and bring them in. There's this generosity and, again, that abundance that's reckless, right, that kind of comes into the meal setting, too. That's what heaven is like. Heaven is like, you get on in here because <laughs> we're having a party. Yeah, it's really, really beautiful uh, sort of imagery for heaven. Okay, and here's a last one that I think is maybe – people really struggle with. I know I have struggled with before. But there's this whole set of parables that talk about what heaven is like, and they defy any of our logic. They certainly defy our understanding of money or economics, and they even defy our understanding of fairness. Um, a couple that come to mind immediately that people really struggle with, I think, um, is the parable of the laborers in the vineyard that's what that one's called and basically it, it's there's some folks who are called to work um they're basically itinerant farmers they're waiting for a job at the home depot you know would be mm -hmm. the would be the modern day um equivalent and they get hired at dawn you know 5 a.m to work all day and they they get told you'll get paid a daily wage you know so they work all day people get hired at 10 a.m people get hired at noon people he keeps going back People get hired at three, people get hired at five and only work one hour, right? And at the end of the day, they're all gonna get paid. And he starts with the people who've only worked an hour and he pays them a daily wage. And then we're told all those workers who work longer are like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be amazing. Because the people who only worked an hour got a daily wage, what am I gonna get? And they all get a daily wage. And they're very upset by that. And of course, uh, the landowner, the vineyard owner says, you know, Am I not allowed to be generous in the way I want to be generous? I promised you a daily wage, and that's what you got. Why Why are you so upset? Um, and it's very upsetting <laughs> because it doesn't seem fair. Uh, the other obvious example of this, although more beloved, until you really think about it, is the parable of the prodigal son. And you have the prodigal, the younger son, who's invited back after all of his bad behavior, um, and you have the older brother standing out in the field throwing a fit. This does not seem fair. And Jesus tells us, if you want to know what heaven is like, it's like these laborers in the vineyard who get the daily wage. It's like the prodigal who gets welcomed back. You deal with it. 
basically. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> deal with it. Yeah. So there's also that whole kind of bucket of images and parables were given of what heaven is like. Uh, it will not match your sense of fairness. Well, you're getting what you're promised. And God's idea of fairness is not what our ideas of fairness is. And maybe these parables are to teach you that this is not you running heaven. It's God. And it's his fairness. I don't get to run heaven? Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's his fairness. Not what we think is yeah. fair. Yeah. It's what his fairness is. And his his love for you. It's, it's not what we think. Yeah. Well, and I once read an amazing sermon um, on this uh, because, of course, you know, he says the last will be first and the first will be last or whatever. And uh, Barbara Brown Taylor gave a sermon on that. And, and she said, you know, this is only bad news if you assume where you are in the line. Mm-hmm. You assume you're only upset by the fairness of it if you assume you were first. Yes, that's true. And now you're last. How do you know <laughs> where you are in the line? Um, this, you have to assume this is only very, very good news. Yeah, the line doesn't necessarily mean like when you're in kindergarten and you line up and you put your hand on the shoulder of the kid in front of you and there's one at the beginning and there's some at the end. Maybe, yeah. the, maybe the line goes the other way. Yeah, exactly. And you have your hand on both shoulders of people next to you and everyone's going the same direction together. Yeah. It's not who's first. Well, exactly. And I may live much of my life thinking, well, I must be first, and so this parable isn't very fair. And for all you know, you are the caboose. Mm-hmm. You have no <laughs> and idea. And you need to get on your knees and be grateful. That you're even in the line. <laughs> that you're even in the line. Yeah, exactly. That's what those parables point to. So those are those kingdom of God uh, or kingdom of heaven parables. So as a reminder, we have all these parables about heaven is like this reckless and bountiful place. We have these parables that heaven is like this communal meal with a surprise, um, but this sustains us. And we have this idea, this image of heaven is not the same as our understanding of power, economy, or fairness. So we have those images of heaven in the kingdom of God parables. And if that's not mysterious enough, I want to look at the second big umbrella we have of three today. And that is a really mysterious one, I think, for myself. This whole idea, we confess it for all churches that confess the Apostles' Creed, which most do. Uh, We say it in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the resurrection of the body. The resurrection Mm -hmm. of the body. Um... What in the world does that mean? And that, that that's this other whole image of heaven for us, is that it's this embodied thing. There are actually bodies there. Um, I don't know what to do with that, Jan. <laughs> that there's actually bodies there. This is when our like little mustard seed-sized mm-hmm. human brains just sort of explode a little. What do you, what do you think of a whole, like, heaven involves bodies? Might not be what we think of as bodies. Yeah. You know, when you say something, a really kind person, you say, gosh, they're the embodiment of kindness. Oh, uh uh-huh. So maybe it's that kind of body. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. not the actual vessel that you've been wandering around the earth in. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe a different embodiment. Yeah, I mean, we, we haven't been there. Mm -mm. Jan, you know, and 
traveled there to come back and give this podcast, right? So we are uh, definitely delving into an area of mystery, just like we were with hell. Mm -hmm. Um, We are with heaven, and there needs to be some humility in all of that. Um, But we do confess that in heaven there is resurrection of the body as well. We get that because of Jesus' resurrection. Um, He was raised in some kind of physical form. Um, You know, so one of the first things we are sort of standing and saying we believe with this is, first it's the resurrection part, you know, life wins. Um, God is a God of life, of living things. God creates life loves life and so life has the final say not death so that's that like resurrection piece um life has the final say life wins and second to do with resurrection is it's almost like um i don't want to say sound crass but it's almost like when jesus was raised it's like god's big thumbs up Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know to uh all that jesus did and all that Jesus was and is. It's like the big uh, stamp that says, yep, yep. Um, What he told you he was, what he told you I was like, what he told you heaven is like, yep, big thumbs up. And that in part, that's what's happening in his resurrection is God's big yes um, to Jesus. So those are kind of two beliefs we have about resurrection. First, life wins, not death. It has the last word, not death. And second, it's this great, you know, thumbs up in the sky uh, to Jesus. And then third, this idea of a bodily resurrection, though, is something that I think we really struggle with, um, maybe especially as sort of modern Westerners, is that our bodies matter. We don't talk about that very much. But our bodies matter. They also are redeemed in whatever form that means. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are resurrected in whatever form that means. Um, But we believe that, I mean, one one of the core parts of our faith and one of the most um, parts that other religions really poke at is we actually believe that the God of the universe came to us in a body. I mean, we actually, that's audacious. We actually believe, that's what we're celebrating at Christmas, just as a reminder. Mm -hmm. We believe that the God of all time and space of the universe came to us in a body. And so we more so than maybe many other religions believe that the body matters. Somehow God has said bodies matter and your body matters. And so to try to bring that into how we feel in this life even, about our bodies, much less the next life, it really kind of forces us to rethink some things about our bodies. Does that, what does that bring up for you, Jan? Yeah, I think, first of all, I try to remember, he's creator, not a destroyer. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I'm saying? He's not coming up with zeroing down and destroying things. He's a creator. He's created this. Mm -hmm. Why would he not want his creation to continue? Exactly. It's like, this worked out well. I'm glad I, I did this, and I'm happy with my work. Yes. And yes. so I will bring them up. And it might not be the exact same body I gave you down there, but it's a body. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing up the one you had, and maybe we'll make it a 2.0 body. 
2.0. We've worked out some glitches. Yeah. Yeah, in the alpha, in the beta testing. In the beta yeah, testing. in the beta testing. Well, and we don't know. We have no what idea. The, 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 the one example we have is of Jesus. And even with Jesus, what we, what we know in all those resurrection stories is they don't recognize him right away. Mm-hmm. So he is physically present. He has a physical body, but they don't know him immediately. They know him when he starts to do things that are like him. They know him when he calls them by their name. They know him when he breaks bread in front of them and they're like, wait a minute. We know this guy. I know this guy. <laughs> you know, so they, it's him and it's not him. It's him and it's not him. It's his body and it's not his body. It is some sort of redeemed body. Mm-hmm. Um, so boy, oh boy, talk about like stepping into mystery here. That's what we get from our scriptures is that it will not be exactly what it is now, but it will be something that God raises up. I'm hoping, well, I, I won't get into my skin tone, Jan. I was just going to say, see, this is how we have to speak differently about our bodies, don't we, Jan? I, know, I, I was just going to say, I hope I won't be purple in oh, my redeemed see, body. I, I have a 22-year-old body back. <laughs> I'm hoping, yeah, exactly. One that doesn't have any crinks or creaks. I know, but speaking of which, the other thing we do know from Jesus' resurrection is, and I think it can be very powerful if we will really consider it deeply, his wounds are still there. Mm-hmm. I mean, famously, he shows them to Thomas. Um, he says, put your hand, you put your finger in my hand, Thomas. Uh, there's the wound. The wounds are still there, um, not because he is suffering from them at all, but because nothing's going to get erased. Like nothing's going to get denied. Nothing's going to get forgotten here. It's it's going to get redeemed. So I, I think about that in terms of, I mean, I know you tease about creases and everything, but we could all tease about creases all day long. But there is this sense in which we are wounded. You know, we are wounded in ways, all of us are wounded in ways people can't see. And many of us are wounded in ways that people can see. And what does it mean that in heaven, the wounds are there because they matter. They, they would, God refuses to forget them, but they are redeemed. Um, Golly, I mean, I don't even know what that means. Like but you're maybe even not going to consider gonna, it. Everybody's got wounds, like you said, physical and emotional. Yeah. And even spiritual, but it won't make a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows they're there. Does He doesn't care. He knows. He knows everything. So, you know, it, it's it's that you're not going to suffer for the, those wounds. Yeah. And I think it's interesting uh, to even think about God refuses to forget them too, though. Um, what's it mean that they mattered, you know, mm-hmm. to not just be denied? Um, no, they were real. They wounded you. They did wound you. Um, and they deserve um, redemption in heaven as well. And what For some, for, for so many people, uh, that alone, even that work is not a minor miracle. It would be a major miracle. Right? Indeed. <laughs> to live that way. Yeah, exactly. And to look forward to that in the world to come, in heaven. That, so heaven as the resurrection of the body and all that that can mean, both here and now for how we live and also for our hope to come. 
Um, and you have already leaned us a little bit into our third and final uh, kind of category of the images we get of heaven. When you said, you know, God's not the destroyer, God's the creator, and, and God doesn't want to give up on any of it. God wants to use and redeem all of it. And that's that idea, this kind of third big umbrella of the new creation. Heaven as the new creation. At the end of the Bible, in Revelation, uh, we have this line um, from Jesus. He says, see, I am making all things new. Uh, he's a creator, mm-hmm. not a destroyer. Uh, and so this takes heaven from, we can so often think of heaven even as an individual thing. Will I get in? Did he get in? You know, um, what will it be like for me there, right? Uh, and then sometimes we broaden it a little bit to make it communal, you know, which is completely scriptural, by the way, to really broaden it and make it communal. But then this idea of new creation, I mean, it really makes it cosmic. It makes it, it's not even just about humans. It's not just about um, sentient life, if I can mm-hmm. use like a really fancy phrase there. It's about the whole creation, that he's not going to stop until it's a new heaven and a new earth, a whole new creation. Which, you know, we get a lot of images for um, in Scripture. You know, Paul talks about in Romans how creation itself is groaning in labor pains and creation itself is yearning to be redeemed and looking forward to that. That's, boy, we don't think about That's the world that way very much, do we? But like this idea that even creation itself is broken and yearning um, for that resurrection, like for that redemption. We also get it a lot um, in the Old Testament in images of heaven. The whole, like, the wolf and the lamb will be together and not eating each other. Uh (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, The lion will eat straw like an ox. We get all of these images of even um, the wildness of creation, of animals. Um, They are all there together. And somehow it is all made new. Uh, made new, which brings up the age-old question from children and adults alike, do dogs go to heaven? And I have no idea, but I will say this whole new creation understanding of heaven uh, really would say a solid yes. (laughs) Would say a solid yes to dogs going to heaven. If the wolf isn't going to eat the lamb... And maybe cats, dogs aren't going to chase cats, and they're up there. Oh my know? gosh, dogs and cats living yeah, together. together. Oh, exactly. I think that's a quote from Ghostbusters. But yeah, uh, yeah, is it? It is. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in this understanding, it takes heaven as this sort of human place of dwelling, mm-hmm. and really blows apart those fences, and says, "No, it is all of creation that God's going to make new and redeem." And so, yeah, the cat is involved (laughs) and the, you know, and the bird and the wolf and the ox. Yeah. And believe me, do I understand how that all works? That'd be a big solid no. Yeah. I was going to accomplish it. Don't know. (laughs) Exactly. We're not supposed to know, maybe. Exactly. But it is this truth that we lean into that you said so well that God is a creator. And first and foremost, that is what God does. God creates and so creation is not something we just endure creation is not something we just sort of squeeze our eyes shut and hope we can escape from like get some pod to get out of all this mess no i mean is it a mess yes it's a mess 
it's also uh, God's creation and God's great project, if you would you know, think of it that way. God's great project that he will not give up on until he has made it right. Um, so even in the midst of hardness, you know, um, human made and whatever naturally made, we would maybe say everything from, um, you know, school shootings to hurricanes. Um, yeah, is it a mess? It's a mess. But it's also part of God's project. It's his mess. He's not going to give up on. <laughs> he's yeah, gonna, he's trying to fix. It's his mess. It's his mess. He's going to fix it. And he's at work to make it new. To make it new. I mean, that's our great. That's our great hope. Is that heaven is going to be when all things are brought to where God means them to be. That that's what heaven is. Heaven is where God's big project is fulfilled. Um. And that, that doesn't have a lot of boundaries on it, does it, if you think nope. of it that way? It's yeah. Exactly. I know. Oh, my gosh. Wait. So we've had three. Three big, big categories today. Mm-hmm. Kingdom of God, resurrection of the body, and the new creation. Very brief overview of those three. Um, but it really uh, does help us maybe, maybe start to just nibble along the edges of what the promise of heaven is for us and for the world yeah any final thoughts jan as we close out today well it's it's been very interesting discussion and close out the whole series and it kind of, it just for me it leans um again it just makes me think of hope mm-hmm. hope in this life that this is what's going to be yeah yeah it's not just about uh the next life it's about changing our hearts Mm-hmm. And our hopes in this life, too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I live differently because I trust these things. You know, this Wednesday is going to go slightly differently um, because I believe these things. Or I'm really trying to believe these things, right? Trying, it's a moment-by-moment yeah. moment, um, thing of leaning and, and, and have it, trying to have the trust to lean on these things. It affects then, and it also affects now. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's your faith to lean towards it and yeah. trust it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, well, we have been on this project together, Jan, and I really appreciate it. And for the last time together, we'll <laughs> sign off. So I'll talk to you soon, Jan, and we'll talk to you again soon as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been fun. Thanks for listening to our conversation about heaven on the One Prez Pod. Please be sure to like and review this podcast wherever you have found it, and to listen to all the podcasts on this feed. If you would like to know more about First Presbyterian Church, you can find us online at www.oneprez.org. Thanks for joining us.